Ooh, feels wonderful. Good morning, fellow pilgrims, travelers on the funny path of life. If opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. Today I would like to talk about beans and a random thought. So, without further ado, let the games begin. So here we are, one more day on this funny planet. <clears throat> and let's start with uh, something funny like beans or pulses. Shall we? We shall. Thank you, Anthony. You're welcome. You're so nice. I know I am. Anyway, beans. I love beans, I have to say. I love lentils, which technically are not beans, they are pulses, but I do love beans. I love uh, pinto beans, black beans, garbanzo, kidney beans, you name it. They cook differently. They behave differently and they have some minor differences, but all in all, I do think it's a great addition to anybody's diet. So let's start. How would you go about, what would be one way, one efficient way, minimalistic, minimalistic way to deal with beans? So here's one for you, my friends. First, soak your beans at least 8 to 12 hours before you cook them. Two reasons. One, it was going to rehydrate them, which means they are going to cook faster. So it will help. So you will use less energy. And they will also cook better. Because if you don't, then as they get rehydrated, they will cook. So the outer part will cook faster than the inner part. So it will be harder to cook. And second, and that is a conditional part, phytic acid. You're welcome to look look it up on the on the internet. Phytic acid is a mechanism belonging in the natural world, which, in so many ways, states that when those beans, those seeds, basically, are scattered before they find the ideal setting, they have a defense mechanism that deter animals and other creatures to try to eat them. And it does not make their goodness accessible. It's like a locked door. It's a security system. And... uh, when they enter the earth in a moist and dark and uh, warm enough environment, then they will start germinating again and hence go back to life and that will turn down 
the phytic acid and make vitamins and mineral more bioavailable, more readily available for absorption. In so many ways, I think it's kind of how it works. So by soaking them, you are basically reinitiating that process, restarting it. That being said, I believe nowadays, depending on how those beans are processed before coming to your store, there's a possibility that some of them are sterilized. Like for instance, uh, even though it's not a bean, but almonds, you know, I don't, I think most of them, you, you, you could not sprout them even if you wanted to, because they are treated in such a way that it sterilizes them. So on the beans, you could find it if you wanted to by soaking them, you know, 8 to 12 hours, and then you put them in a jar. You can either poke some holes in the lid or put a mesh bag with a, like a rubber band around it, have them upside down, and about two, three times a day, rinse them and then keep them in dark. Tilted at an angle so the water goes out, but they are staying in a moist environment and dark. And within two or three days, there should be a tail growing. And if after you know two or three or four days you have no tail growing, it it's a sign that they they don't have that capacity anymore. But that being said, that's just what the one little tip. So you soak them overnight. And then before you cook them, you're going to get rid of that water and rinse them out. And you can again look, look that up if you want to why, why rinsing or soaking water of beans is a good idea. I'm not sure if it's the end of the world, but I do it. It's a habit now. Something could be said about wasting that water. Another tip as well, when you're soaking them, you can put a little baking soda if you want, or a little vinegar, or a little lemon juice. That seems to also, it's suggested in some forum that it helps. I don't personally. And then you, oh, I forgot to tell you. So when you soak them to ensure that they stay submerged, you do one part of beans, three parts of water, and that will ensure that those beans will not poke out of the water, as long as they are evenly spread in your bowl or in your pan, wherever you want to soak them. Then you cover them, you know, for with about an inch above it or a little more depending. It depends if you're going to pressure cook them or if you're going to cook them in a pot because pressure cooking them will require less time and less water. And also it depends what you want to use them for after also. So Cover them up with at least one inch of water, bring it to a boil, and then you're gonna have some foam building up, depending on the beans, some more than others. Like garbanzo are definitely on the top shelf when it comes to foam. And then, you you know, again, it's not the end of the world. If you don't, it is kind of believed that it has to do with gas and digestibility. So another step in getting rid of, uh, or in, in aiding the body, so you more than likely will want to pick that up. And then I like to put bay leaf or kombu is another thing that can be used, which is a seaweed or kelp uh, in, the, uh, in the United States. It's called kelp. In Japan, it's called kombu. And uh, do not put salt. Salt makes it harder for whatever reason. I don't know the answer, but to for the beans to cook more efficiently. So salt is something you will add when your beans are at least 
three quarters of the way cooked, then it doesn't seem to damage them, or at the end. And then you can add, you know, garlic, you can add vegetable, you can whatever you want. I would not, don't add tomato, that's another thing that will make it harder. But uh, outside of that, yeah, sometimes I'll add uh, carrots, cabbage, onion, and the likes. And you cook those suckers. Your location, your altitude will affect the cooking time, whether you use a pressure cooker or a regular cooker. Also, the age of the beans will matter. The older they are, the longer it will take to cook. But you will, uh, that will be a learning stepping stones. I use a pressure cooker, so beans like white beans takes longer to cook, like garbanzo beans, navy bean, great northern bean, uh, lima bean, they do take longer. Like pinto beans are the fastest one that I found out that, you know, in a pressure cooker, about 10-15 minutes and they are done. Black beans go pretty well too. Um, kidney beans take a little longer. So there will be a learning curve for that, you know, maybe taking notes would help. And, uh, but you know, it's not a big deal. There is one difference, so and those are lentils. So lentils do not have phytic acid, so I do soak them as well. You know, most people don't, but I do because I'm rehydrating them, which means it will take long, it will take less longer to cook. And for the lentils, so you soak them and then, uh, Depending on the lentils, also between two and a half and three times part of the water to the lentils is what seems to take. And again, depending on what application, if you're wanting to put them in a salad, you may want to at least put three parts because you don't want them to get mushy, so you want them to be cooked. Same for beans, if you wanted them into a salad, more water is better and they seem to not explode as much. And for the lentils, yeah, you go straight to, you don't, you're not going to have foam on the lentils or it would be so minimal, you won't even be worse trying to get it out. But yeah, if you're a perfectionist, I guess you do, but I don't. And lentils, depending on the lentils, you know, you have the, the French lentil, lentil du Puy, puy en one of the beginning of the St. James pilgrimage. We did buy some actually where we were there and... Uh, they're dark green one, very pretty color. They do take longer to cook. Um, but most of them will take, you know, around 15, 20 minutes to 30 minutes will be your average. So for that, there will be a learning curve and that's not a big deal. Like in the case of beans or in the case of uh, um, lentils, you know, you check it out and then if it's not, you keep it rolling. And for the beans, you know, if it's in pressure cooker, there is a little waiting time, you know, to release the pressure before you can unlock the lid. But, you know, I think it's worth it. And then you adjust it to your seasoning or whatever great recipe of yours um, you want to follow. And uh, one extra tip. One thing I'm enjoying doing when I cook them, I cook... Now I cook two pans at a time, which is quite a, quite a, you know, it's about a week. I guess for me, for some people, it would be more than likely two weeks of lentils. I am a monster. I eat a lot. And uh, I cook a huge batch, even more. If I had a bigger pot, I would cook more. And then, then what I do or what you can do, you can do two things. So the idea is to make use of the energy and the time that you are dedicating to cooking. 
and beans and lentil are notorious. They hold very well, meaning you can freeze them and it doesn't really affect them. Like if you were to freeze rice, it's just not going to taste the same. Or vegetable, you know, they will be mushy and doesn't matter. But beans hold very well. So you can, if you have a big freezer space, awesome, put them in containers. I would label them and put date because at least if you end up doing a lot of different things, you kind of get an idea about what to use first. But that way you have access, you know, to a quick meal if needs be, you know, like in my case, when I had vegetables, I mean, it's a meal, it's a meal ready to go. And uh, it's satiate, satiate, oh my goodness, satiate, Ah! (laughs) I'm brain farting on this one. Sorry, guys, satiate, satiate, satiation, 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 basically, it feels you good. Uh, beans do an awesome job on that. I think better than uh, grains and better than, for sure, vegetable or fruit. Nuts is different. Another way, you, if you have jars, you know, if you have can, can, canning jars or jars from that you've kept from, like, you know, tomato sauce, whatever you buy in a store, I would suggest one thing. Keep some of those and then what you do, you know, once you've cleaned them and you've, and then nice and dry, make sure you don't really keep the lid shut, that they really get a chance to air dry properly so you don't have mold growing. And then uh, dry, they will keep forever. And then when you have it a nice, piping hot, big pot of beans or lentils, what you can do is fill them up, you know, give about an inch at the end or three quarters of an inch left of a gap get the lid in as tight as you can you may have to use a towel because the jar will be pretty hot and then flip them upside down you don't have to boil them just flip them upside down and leave them for about a day and then what you'll find out that they will be sealed so i'm pretty psyched about finding about that because i didn't like the idea of having to use all that water and all that energy to bring water to a boil and and boil those suckers for several minutes you don't have to Enough heat exposed on that on that lid will basically do the job. And then after that, you know, if you have a shelf space or if you have those drawers, then you have access to, you know, 5, 10, 15 or however many you can do in that big pot. So that's my little tip on beans. You can look up uh, all the vitamins and minerals that they offer. Uh, also, you can read about resistant starch if you're interested. What happens once you cook a bean and you let the bean cool off? It seems to also behave differently in terms of a digestibility and uh, how long it lasts in terms of processing it and giving you energy. It's pretty cool. I, uh, I was pretty psyched when I found out about resistant starch or like potatoes or, you know, grains or beans, basically. So that's... For that, and now, 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 what did I want to, oh yes, exactly, here is a weird thought, nothing to do with beans, but maybe inspired by beans, you cannot surrender who you really are, that's something that I'm tinkering with lately, because the idea of it Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to digress just a bit. Just to let you know, I have two beautiful loaves of sourdough getting ready to go in the oven in about 15 minutes. 
five days in the making. I am uh, I am retar- retarding them, which means proofing them very slowly in the fridge, longer and longer now. And I'm so excited. And they are like you know 65 percent whole grain, and uh, so they are on the heavy side. And it's a very wet dough, but it's uh, I love it. I love bread. I gotta say. Mama, I am a bread guy. So you can sorry about that digression. You cannot surrender who you really are. I find this thought very interesting to play with. Because we have this idea of who or what we identify with. And that somehow without those things or those people or those conditions, we cannot be happy. We cannot have a meaningful life. And for the ones who know me a little more in details would know that I live a rather minimal life now. You know, I only have my backpack and what fits into my backpacks. Those are my belongings. You know, I don't have a home. I don't, I don't, I'm living basically out of uh, charity, generosity, and out of some kind of weird bartering system. Yeah, bartering meaning an exchange. So there's no currency. It's not money. I don't have a job. Uh, there are no contract. There are no expectation. There's just uh, exchanges. I help do things, and in exchange, you know, I get lodging and uh, food and my basic necessities. But for whatever reason in my life right now, I find it unbearable the idea of having things. So I'm enjoying having less things. And uh, but that being said, you know, I mean, I am definitely hooked on my iPhone or my my tablet, uh, for sure, my backpack, and then having clothes. You know, like what if I get cold? Having clothes to keep warm. So playing with the idea about what do I really need, or playing with surrendering, giving up more and more things, and. And in this way, I, I want to stretch the meaning of giving up because it's so easy to get into the whole material. Like somehow, if I have less things, my, it will be better. I, I'm not sure that's necessarily true. But the attachment we have to things, and then if we become aware that I have a str- I have strong emotion relating to that, which means I am afraid of losing it, which means I'm going to protect it, which means I'm going to be projecting into the future and then being affected now by what may or may not happen. And that is energy that I'm giving away from now. And I just like the idea of playing with, well, let me see, let me get rid of that. And then see if it's unbearable, if it's really unbearable, or if my thoughts about getting rid of it or how bad I needed it were overblown. That, no, actually, you know what? It's not that big of a deal. And, uh, and playing with that. So I'm enjoying it. You cannot surrender who you really are. Meaning I can't, I can't give away my body. I mean, in a way I could sacrifice my body, but that would end my life. So there are some things that I cannot. But the other one, I have a relationship, but is that relationship healthy? Is the, the inversion, the investment that I put in in terms of maintaining it, keeping it, is worth the price? Is it really contributing to my life? Or is it just helping to maintain this illusory comfort zone? 
which is more numbing than anything else. So I'm not going to go too abstract. It is only Friday after all. I'll leave that for the rest. <laughs> but I just wanted to share that. I just really like, mm, I like the meat of it. You cannot surrender who you really are. Of course, I'm not my phone. I remember when I sold my car in 2017. I haven't had a car since. And that was hard. You know, of course, I was in, in the United States, in California, and more specifically, um, Riverside near Los Angeles. And I was going to go back and work for a trucking company. And uh, it just made sense to me. It was like, well, why? Why having a car? Because it means I have to keep going back to the car and I'm in a truck now and I just want to be free. So I was like, okay, I'm going to sell the car. And I was pretty excited. But when the time came to actually do it, it really felt weird. It was like, wow, I am not going to have a car anymore. The convenience of a car to move around. And yeah, of course, that is amazing. But at the same time, convenience does not necessarily equate with happiness. And somehow those things that seems, no, that do make life easy on one plane, possibly may be impeding other things to happen or, or other experiences to take place because we are investing that energy, that limited amount of energy we have into that thing. And we all know it has takes, you know, effort and money to take care of a car and time, giving time, even more when you live in a city or when you're dealing with a lot of traffic. You know, you spend a lot of time. And... Uh, but it was, it was tricky. I realized it was like I was really attached to the car because yeah, I, when I left Glenda, my ex, after the divorce, I left Texas, I just packed the car, which was my first minimal, minimalist, minimalistic steps. Uh, it was easy, bam, bam, and I was gone. And uh, I drove all the way to California from there, you know, stopped wherever I wanted to, you know, it was like, yeah, it's amazing the sense of that idea of freedom, that convenience, that independence. And uh, it was tough to let it go. But as soon, within, well, maybe not as soon, but within minutes after I sold the car, it was like, oh yeah, it was like, it's not a big deal. Not anymore. And uh, I don't know if I will ever have a car again. And actually, on that on that topic, my I have a I have a commercial driving license, so I have a I have an ACDL driving license because uh, I was driving trucks in the U.S. and uh, I'm going to lose that. That's going to expire in April, and I have no intention in uh, going to uh, to the U.S. to renew it. And uh, a commercial driving license, you cannot re renew it on a per distance. You have to go there. You have to be physical there. And you have to have a, a medical physical every two years as well. I think it is every two years. So it's a little more complicated than a regular Class C driving license. But if I let that go, I'm going to maybe check out and see if I can keep my Class C and then just let go of the truck. But if I can't by distance, then I will lose my driving license. So I will, I will let go, which, you know, I feel awkward about it. You know, because one, having the option... Even though there is no passion in trucking, I could make a very good living the way I was doing it. And the reason why I can live 
for many years now, the way that I have is because of what I have been able to save while I did my uh, 13 months of trucking. But uh, yeah, that comes April 13 on my birthday, I will uh, lose my driving license. And uh, I find that I'm, I'm, in a way, I'm looking forward to it, to see what that will be like. Oh my goodness, that's a longer podcast this morning. So my friends, my fellow travelers, I wish you all introspection. I wish you all curiosity about to scratch or to, like in one song of uh, Peter Gabriel, digging in the dirt, you know, to get a little dirty and to find out, you know, about all those things that you are investing so much time and energy. Are they really bringing you a good dividend? Or is it more this addiction to convenience? And today is but the first day of the rest of your life. Until the fat lady sing, it is never too late to make bold changes, to make new claim, and to change direction. So on that note, I wish you all a great day. Oh. Thank you.